Sorry. <laughs> All right, welcome guys. We are here. It's been a long day at the Missoula Card Show, and we got back in the Airbnb and we thought, you know what, let's do a little round table, rapid fire, random topics, and just have some fun. Bear with us, it's late. We might ramble. One of us might get upset with each other. Probably this guy. <laughs> but we're gonna have a good time. Let's start with a very important topic. You just brought this up. What does the state of the hobby look like? What does the, the show today tell you about the state of the hobby? Missoula, Montana, second largest city in Montana. What's your takeaway? For me, it was so many kids. This is probably a common theme answer for because we all noticed the same thing. So many kids, there were dads and sons and grandpas and kids. It was fantastic to see their enthusiasm for the hobby and making deals and doing all kinds of stuff. It was impressive is the answer I would give. Yeah, same impressive family oriented, uh, just seeing all the interactions and just the dads I heard a lot of times, it's my son's thing. I thought that was pretty cool. Probably agree with that. <laughs> We're gonna talk about like more or else about the show and like where Montana is at compared to other things. All right, that's fine. Probably cut that out, that was pretty bad there. But yeah, no, I mean, the fact that there's a show in Montana in the past, you know, obviously you had the national, you had the Chantilly in Philly, but I'm seeing a lot more regional shows in all the different states. And the fact that they're able to support, what, 70, 80 tables here, and the foot traffic in here was pretty packed. It wasn't a lame show where people didn't show up or there was no foot traffic. It was really popular, you guys saw it too. Yeah, it was busy. Another point about today was dealers were wanting to make deals. They were trying to move cards. I mean, it was cool to see that you, did anybody pay sticker for a single card you no. bought today? No. Do you no. ever pay sticker to show though? No, I don't, but <laughs> I see people that do and I'm like, why are you paying sticker? But no, the point is the dealers were wanting to move cards, I yeah. think, yeah. It, and that made it a lot more enjoyable. They gave yeah. good discounts too. It wasn't just like $5 off a card. They're like, oh, take off 20%, here you go, have it. I don't want the inventory anymore. Yeah. yeah. You know, you having, know? <clears throat> having gone to the Dallas show a lot with you, Mike, and I mean, there's, they've got their culture. Missoula's got their culture. Granted, it was the second time. I mean, it doubled this time than the last time. And even, did y'all catch it at the end whenever they were doing the raffle? They did this scavenger hunt and then they did this raffle for the kids. Yeah. And then when they announced the winner, they have a PA system. She was in the other room when she announced the winner into the room where all the tables were. Everyone was clapping and cheering. It was like it was like you felt like it was part of like a, a community, a family. Yeah. And it felt like when we were leaving that we could see some of the people that we've been hanging out with all day and like, hey, see you next week. You know, like we kind of. Yeah. It was so relational. Yeah. We had dinner was. tonight with a guy we met at the show that follows the channel and his two sons, and it was fantastic to get to know him. Yeah. So thanks, Mark. Yeah, yeah. So that's the way you want to do shows, right? Or at least we like we like the idea of it being familial and nice and and you know like a nice community. But at the same time, there is a good variety of cards. Yeah. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. yeah. It's not like you're like oh we're going to Missoula, in the middle of Montana, where there's probably oh they probably just have all hockey. That's what I thought. Yeah. There <laughs> yeah, was actually no. very little hockey here though. Yeah, yeah I know. Was. And yeah. the. It didn't feel the difference of that contrast between Dallas and here. It, Dallas feels like a business. Right. This just felt like 
I didn't yep. get a big. I didn't a get a. Time. I didn't get a big flip culture no. feel. Right. Like it, you definitely knew some kids that were trying to make some moves and do some yep. things for fun, but it was definitely more, you know, hey, what do you like? What do you like? A lot of conversation about what you like in the hobby. It was yeah. fun. My takeaway was, it's so easy to have a perception of the hobby by being on social media and being around certain crowds, going to certain shows. But there is a authenticity that still exists at the heart of so much of the hobby. And today I felt like it embodied it really well. Mm -hmm. Like it was just, it felt so right today. For sure. And that's pretty rare. That was fun. It was, it was really fun. So, Go ahead. I'll say even at the show too, I mean, there was a few high ticket items, but I felt like everything was pretty reasonable between like $1,000 and $2,000 probably towards the upper tier. And there's so much raw here compared to all the bigger shows too. And I can't remember who brought it up. There was more PSA nines than pretty much anything else like tens wise or eights. Like most people are selling off their like second tier inventory. Yeah. And I think our thought with that was, and we had the conversation with people, why is there no PSA 10s? And a couple people told me, I didn't bring my PSA 10s because they're in my collection. I'm selling my PSA 9s. Which, it's kind of cool because they're actually collectors. Like collectors. These were a lot of collectors bringing their cards out to the show. They're they extra dealers. cards, right? Just yeah. Extra stuff they had lying around. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you'd have a table just full of like uh, ungraded raw cards. That was pretty cool, I thought. Yeah. It's and something that misses at so many different shows. Just now you go to a show, showcase, slap, 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 sticker price. This is what the last comp was. Here they're like, I don't know what the last comp was. I'm, I'm willing to work with you guys. Yeah, yeah. Do you, as a, heading into a show, do you get excited when you see a lot of raw cards? Like, do you, do you get excited, Tyson? Yeah, I think there's just there's more opportunity. I think Ryan made a great point that if you're buying the raw card, it's already not up sale to the, to the graded. You can't price. comp it very right, easy. You can't comp, so it's just, it's a little bit more fun because definitely more gems as in your and finds. here, I think normally if you go and you see a lot of raw cards, you're going, why wasn't this graded yet? There's a reason it's got a ding or something you can't, I don't think that's, I didn't feel that way here. Uh, obviously we can't read their minds, but it just, they just have raw cards because that's just how they roll, really. Mm -hmm. it, that's just what it felt like. But at a, at a Dallas show, you see a bunch of raw, you're going, why isn't this graded yet? If it's a high, if it's a nice card. There's no big group sub here. Like a lot of other shows, they have like huge advertisements, sub with us, sub with us. You didn't see that here. There's like one or two people that sold a lot of wax as well. It wasn't overboard, but most of the people, that's the reason why. Yeah. How many Pelican cases did you guys see? Just a few. <laughs> it was just it was some, of, it was some of the kids well, though. I the best way yeah. to have it. I saw one. <laughs> I love to hear it. Just kidding. <laughs> no, but I, I saw a couple of kids carrying it in grocery bags, one carrying it in a 3200 or a you know 900 row box. With this. It's yeah. like, this is awesome. This is so yeah. right. Yeah, there was a lot of cardboard boxes moving around. Yeah. Even the dealers yeah. too, they didn't have the Pelicans. They were just, you know, here's the cardboard box and bring it into my inventory. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what did you think about the kids in general? I was impressed. I made a video about this real quick, a little short. The negotiation tactics and strategies of young kids is continuing to impress me. Yeah, Ryan, I mean, uh, Tyson and I were sitting there at, talking to a kid who had his, he did have a Pelican case. Yep. And he's like, this is the stuff that I'm keeping. Here's the stuff I'm willing to trade. And I started a conversation with him. How old are you? 14. Great. Why do you kind of like doing this? Is it for the action? Do you love the sports? Do you love the hobby? He's like, all of it. And he's like, I just, like the idea of being an entrepreneur. Remember yeah, that? Yep, that's, yeah, I gave him a good good deal on Watson. He bought a Watson for me, wheeled and dealed with me. It was, it was great. It was a fun experience for sure. Yeah, these kids are savvy. Yeah. 
They're savvy. And it's not, there's so much out there to learn from though too, right? I mean, you get vlogs. so many vlogs and you know, websites and whatever, they're watching all this stuff and they can absorb that quickly. And that's their generation. That's how they think, right? They, social media is their teacher. Yep. And that could be good and bad, right? But they're, they're trying. Yeah. You yeah. should talk about your Kyler Murray purchase. I had a kid ride me and he was awesome. He rode me, he knew I wanted this Kyler Murray. Not only did he sell me the Kyler Murray I wanted, he went and bought another Kyler Murray and then sold it to me five minutes later. <laughs> I'm like, this guy, he's so good. Yeah. But I think the quote of the show to me was talking Mark, Luke and Jake. Jake tells me, I said, man, you brought you a hundred dollars in stuff here at the show. And he said, well, I just sold my pigs on my homestead because I knew I wanted to buy cars at the show. And he's thinking, okay, not just I want to go flip them, I want to buy them because I just made money on my other business yeah. and now I want to go buy cars for my collection. That to me was like, that encapsulated what this is all about. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, shifting topics here. Someone came up to you and said, I'll give you X amount of dollars to buy you out of your collection. What would that number be for you? <laughs> of everything we have? Everything right? you have right now. Here or at my house? Your house. <laughs> I want to hear his answer. Yeah, we'll start with mine because we're all going to feel better. You don't want to start with me. <laughs> you, feel, you feel comfortable with this number? I, it, it'd have to be a million dollars and I would sell everything. A million bucks. Okay. Yeah, I'm definitely smaller. Probably about 100, 100K. If you can add. Yeah, 100K. There you go. Oh gosh, let me think about all my Lucas and those Mickey Mantles. Just kidding. I'm probably around 70, okay? Like if somebody offered you 70 grand, you'd go, here's everything, have fun? Yeah, my wife would love that. <laughs> I'd probably say about 300K. There's a lot of stuff that I've been chasing for years and have acquired it, and it would take a long time to track down, and things that I think have a lot of room to grow in the next few years. Yeah. I'd be around 350, 400. If the caveat was we buy you out and you can never buy a card again. Well, that's the next, that's, that's, a, the, that's, a, well, that's yeah, the follow up question. The, the great follow up question is, would you be done with the hobby? And my answer, if, if someone gave me a million dollars, I gave them everything, I would be done. I'd restart. I wouldn't restart. I, I think redrafts and just fantasy football and that kind of thing, let's rebuild it. Let's do it. I'd build, I'd build. I'm probably more organized too. I'd come in a little bit different way. That's the difference. You either be done or you go, okay, how would I do this better this time? Yeah. Right? I've got all this. I'm flush with capital. Now what? What does that look like? Do I chase all the. I mean, I have tons of stuff that I look back now and go, why did I buy that? <laughs> um, but it, I still love it all, but at the same time, I'd probably do it a little bit different. But I would be done. Well, the only reason you would, you would agree to a buyout is because you needed the money for something. Right? All of us, yeah. Yeah, so. Maybe. Would you be done? 100%? No, I would not be done. I'd use that money. I'd go to a European card show and start grabbing some of the rare stuff over there. <laughs> I asked if I some, some of your money would go towards airfare and hotel. Yes. Some, uh, some shady. Ex some expensive flights. <laughs> yeah. You can't take spirit to Europe. Some shady hostel in, you know, Slovenia. No, I think, I think I'd get a hotel with 300,000. Okay. Good. Maybe, maybe no spirit though, because I don't, I'm pretty sure they don't fly over there. 
That would be an uncomfortable flight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'd be would done. you be done? I'd be done, yeah. If I had to get rid of everything, it'd be so hard for me to reconnect with the hobby. Right. Even with your kids? If my kids got into it, I would get into it with them. Yeah. But, but it would be their hobby. I would want them to own it. Right. Right? Yeah, because a lot of times I feel like when you, as dads, you have a lot of your cards and sometimes you feel for, like you're forcing it on them. Yeah. And it would you be have nice. to like this yeah, guy. Yeah, please like this. Right. Yeah. Good question. Would your kids continue on the hobby? If you pull out and you're done, would they keep going? Um, probably not. Because hmm. I'm the one that kind of drives their um, enthusiasm for it. You know? Yeah. Interesting question. Yeah, I don't have kids, so. I, know, I was, I was going to say that. Well, your kids are a little young still. Still not quite there yet, but I think just the idea of like helping them enjoy it if they wanted it would still be on my mind. Yeah. 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 You know, the thing I think is kind of saddens me the most is I think they would probably enjoy opening cards again if I didn't buy cards. Because, you know, I think they don't appreciate going and buying their own cards because dad always gets them. Right. You're the when supply. you go spend your money and you open it and it's yours and you don't get anything and then you have to earn money again to do it, it means a lot more. That's very true. Yeah. 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 You meet a kid today entering the hobby. What advice would you give him to spend his time wisely in the hobby? I would just say just have a direction like of what you're doing hobbies there's so many angles there's so many products there's so many sports there's so many platforms there's so much social media have a direction that you want to be passionate about yours is vintage like you know i don't mess with anything inception i don't mess with anything hmm. you know other, other products have a really straightforward direction kind of keep yourself reeled in because they can get out of hand quick yeah. on top of that when you add and be opening open to changing your direction if you get if you get to a point yeah. where that doesn't do it for you anymore. Right. Don't be afraid to change directions. I think too many people get stuck in a lane in the hobby and they don't find joy in it anymore, but they feel I've committed so much to this, you know, whether it's player collecting or a sport or whatever. And the ability to go, okay, I'm done with that phase of my collecting life and move on to something else is hard to do. That would be my encouragement though. Be yeah. willing to do that. Yeah. I'd say do your own research and then talk to other collectors that have been in the game for a while because you can learn quite a bit going on different websites like Trading Card Database, how they have all the different sets and all the different players that are in each of them. You can start doing research knowing, okay, this is the different years that these guys are in. These are the rare cards that you can go after. And you can apply that if you're on an online marketplace, if you know card scarce or even at a card show, because if you have extra knowledge, you're going to find more opportunities there. And then when you talk to older collectors as well, they've been in the game for such a long time. They have a wealth of knowledge. So you're not going into something without, you know, just going to a a show, oh, I have $100, here, I'm gonna buy this $100 card. You find out, you know what, card's $100, I'm gonna offer 70 or $80 and start that negotiation. Cool. I would say <clears throat> don't get a Pelican case, don't buy graded cards. I would say go buy the cards you want, get you a binder, get you the sleeves, and put your favorite cards that you buy in there. And I would say, or probably say, don't, don't watch any of the vlogs on sports cards because that's only dangling the carrot. Yeah, all, yeah. The temptation is real, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think the underlying thing, too, is that 
yes, I, you know, we did the $100 challenge, all these things, but value is not everything. Mm. If the card looks great, enjoy it. It's yeah. a great card. Like, yeah. it, it, like, there is a lot of pieces of the hobby that get missed because we're all looking at the dollar signs. Yeah. My two pieces of advice would be collect what you love, very similar to what we've all said, and try to associate your collecting with players that you watch. Because it, it not only makes collecting more fun, it makes watching sports more fun. Yeah. And I think that, that interconnection there is really important when it comes mm -hmm. to collecting. That's and the you, fantasy. And I would say on the money side of things, there's other opportunities out there to make money instead of just flipping cards. So if you're just looking at it purely for making money, do something else. You have to enjoy the hobby or else it becomes a job. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's out of the hobby. Something goes coming out of Matt's mouth. No. Oh, I'll, we're, I'll, we're still waiting for as something usual. to come out of Matt's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> All gets cut out. It's like, it's I just see an opportunity and I have to take it. It's just, it's just dangling there. Yes, yes. What do you think is the most decisive news, the most, um, I don't know, controversial topic for the rest of 2022 in the hobby? Grading. Grading? Okay. How so? I just think because where you have all these different avenues, PSA is really forcing a lot of people to make some tough decisions, I think, mm. with everything being backed up and what price they're going to bring cards. Because I had a lot of conversations today about people who been like, guy asked me, what do I grade? And I was like, well, when it's $50 a card, it's a pretty high bar. So I think grading really affects people in terms of what they want to do with their cards. Because that's just not even grading to sell. It's just grading to get in a slot. $50 is a lot. That affects the registry too, because a lot of people graded to have everything in their PSA registry and build out sets or collections. And now, like you're saying, at $50 for something that goes in the PC, if you want to grade 10 cards and not sell them, you're already at $500, not including any upcharges that they have, which they've been starting to upcharge people on cards that don't even have comps. One of my friends uh, turned in a Bloomer soccer card. There was none graded by PSA, but they upcharged them because they knew it was a rare example of it. Yeah. So, what do you think, Matt? Oh, gosh. Um, I kind of agree with that, but also, I don't know. I, th I, th I don't think we, I don't think we can predict it yet. Because <laughs> yeah. this, man, this world is so, so unpredictable, right? Yeah. There's going to be someone coming out tomorrow <laughs> saying, hey, I've got these cases for your NFT. Like what? Yeah, NFT grading. Yeah. You just download, <laughs> you download this JPEG and you put it on your NFT to protect it. You know what I mean? The quality. It's of the coming pixels. from viruses. What, the what, quality what? of the pixels on the <laughs> NFT guys. Viruses. Uh, one word: fanatics, and what what yeah. that starts looking like. Yeah. I mean, until that becomes more clear, it's this cloud of unknown over the hobby and. I, for one, want to see what is this going to start really looking like? And I don't know that we're going to get any of those answers in 2022, but uh, it's something I'm eagerly anticipating. Yeah. yeah. What's interesting with Fanax is they just signed on another sneakerhead as part of their team. I can't remember the guy's name, but I joined over there. The Adidas easy guy. Yeah. So it looks like they're really focusing on adding the sneaker culture to sports cards. So maybe we can take a look at what happened to sneakers the last five or 10 years and see what changes they've really made. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, I think print run becomes really, really that's important that's my second thing. the rest of this year production. Yeah. You know, because Topps obviously is gonna go above and beyond to print for Wander Franco, other big rookies coming out. Uh, we've had a couple of really bad runs of rookie classes across sports. 
The one thing I noticed today at the show, yeah, there was a couple of wax dealers, but you didn't see a lot of wax moving. You didn't see kids no. opening packs. It wasn't happening. Like you only see that at shows. I right. think the and I even heard a couple of kids say, "I don't open, I don't open cards." I know it's stupid. Like I heard a kid say that. I'm like, that's so mature, but it's so right. And I think even when it's filtering down to young kids and they know like it's just a waste of money, you're reaching a problem of just overprinting in the hobby and it starts to backfire. Because nobody's gonna buy it. Right. Right. Yeah. And then even like the stuff that's not printed a lot, you're looking at flawless. It's fifteen thousand dollars a box. How many people? can afford a $15,000 box. Your average collector is way out of the equation for that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, I think production was my number two. I think that's good. Okay. Definitely. Any more topics? Any other hot topics? I mean, I guess would be a question that I think that, especially that I think the three of us were pretty different. You two are whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. But I, I think Put that so in there. How, how do you balance the idea of selling versus collecting? I think that's always a hot topic of, that I struggle with as a collector. Of like, I have a lot of these cards I just like, there's some great cards I have. Do I really care about them a lot? That whole question of what do I keep, what do I sell? I mean, how do you, I mean, my That's a tie question, because. It's, it's more of a Matt question. He's relevant now because you've been buying collections. Yeah. And you're starting yeah. to like get attached. Like, how are you dividing the line between collecting? Here, here's how I would describe it. It's like, a, it's, um, you, you get attached like to your favorite shirt, you know? And then you, as you, time goes on, you're kind of like, oh, I think I'm gonna start wearing hoodies more. And then you're kind of like, oh, I need to kind of grow up and be wearing collared shirts that I can roll up the sleeve, you know what I mean? I think it just kind of changes with how you feel. Like, yeah, I, I uh, collected there for a while and then I started selling and then I started collecting again and now I'm selling and I'm, I am buying collections and trying to, you know, turn some of that stuff around, but it's so I can buy my Luca cards, you know? But, um, but yeah, now, I mean, heck, we've got stuff at the house we want to try to repair and fix, so I'm, I'm considering selling like some of my higher end Luca cards just to bring in some money because I'm not, I don't feel like I'm attached to stuff like I could be. But yeah. you know, like today I walked around, I saw that Mickey Mantle and I grabbed Mike and it's like, I gotta have that. And then I got it for a really good price. And then I'm thinking, am I really gonna hold on to this guy or am I gonna sell it? Yeah. You know, cause I know I could sell it and double my money once it's graded based on. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, I mean, what do you think about that? I think, like what he's thinking about, it makes me sad, honestly. That's the emotion I feel, but I understand it. What, why does that make you sad? Because he doesn't keep everything? I don't say people have to keep everything, but a mantle like that, that you've wanted for a long time, that you've been looking for for a long time, and your instant thought is, man, I'm gonna grade this and I might flip it. But I'm gonna flip it because I gotta pay the bills. Understood. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, all, all all bets are off if that's the case for any of us yeah. for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Because at some point you're like, you know, if if you hit like a family struggle like COVID, my company, you know, and so it's slowly climbing back up. But it's like my wife's wanting to do some remodeling and stuff, and I want to do it because we got some stuff that needs fixing. But it's like I've got all the money that we need sitting in a safe, <laughs> you know. 
but it's not money. When you put it that way, <laughs> it's a pretty easy decision. Yeah. I know. So I would say, well, real quick, I'd say it depends on the person where you're not attached. If you, like, I'm not, I'm usually not attached to things for very long, you know. I mean, that's why I'm on my sixth wife. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, if you just, sometimes, like, I drove, I drive one car for a long time because I'm just like, I just don't want to, yeah, it works. I don't have to put anything else into it. And then finally you're like, I'm sick of this car. I got to give me something else. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But and I, mean, I have cards in my PC that have been in my PC for 40 years. Yeah. And I've got, the, I've got those too. And I even got them graded and I still keep them in the safe. And I know I'm not going to sell those because it's like a Earl Campbell SGC3. <laughs> but you know, I, there's some of that stuff where it's like, it's the memory of it. Remembering pulling it as a kid and just being like, yeah, that's, it's not worth anything. And I'm glad because I'm going to keep that one. Yeah. You know. Well, so I think for me, it's, it's easy to, it's easy to sell cards that somehow help your family. Whether it's buying a new rug for a new house or doing things like I, buying or helping buy an anniversary gift, I mean, all those things. It's just fun to use it because he's kind of like liquidating in a positive way. You don't feel like you're just selling to put money in your pockets. That's different. But it, I think the, the thing that's hard in cards is that coming from like a fantasy football background and a dynasty football background and things that I love to do, you always go into things for potential. And when you see those potential grow, so then what's the what's the cool part about that? Am I just going to say, cool, now I have an expensive card, or am I going to actually reap the rewards of that benefit? I think that's where it gets weird because, you know, in Dynasty Football, you sell high. You trade and you get younger and keep your team turning over. Do that with cards or do yeah. you kind of keep them in there, you know what I mean? So I think that's kind of the fun part of the whole growth perspective is what I think is fun about the hobby in general. All right, what do you think? Yeah, so I have a question in my mind every weekend when I go to a different card show because, you know, I'll purchase a few thousand dollars worth of stuff, but I have other expenses to get to the show. I have equipment that needs to be purchased. And then thinking about like, what card am I going to keep for my PC today? And like going to the show today, I spent $2,000. I have about $3,000 worth of cards. A lot of it on a move. And one of the cards I was like on the fence about was a Jim Brown Jersey autograph card. And I was like 50, 50, but he, like talking to Mike, that, that card's going to be really tough to be able to locate long-term and it's better just to hold it on. Like I just purchased a townhouse and that's going to be under construction for the next well, six to eight months and I have a big payment for it. So I have to flip a lot at shows to help cover that cost. But at the same time, I want to continue to grow my PCs because I have like five or six different PCs. I want to continue to grab cards for it every show. So it's that balance between building out a PC while still being able to make some money at the shows to pay other expenses. Yeah. My thought would be just know who you are. Know, know your role in the hobby. Like, don't try to be all things. I, as you buy collections and you acquire more, it's easy to get sucked into different directions. I tended to simplify it. When I have free time and I'm searching on eBay, what am I searching for? And for me, it's usually a couple players. And if those are the two players I constantly think about and search for, those are the players I collect in PC. Everything else funnels into supporting that. That's the way I think of it. But I don't have the depth as you and some of you guys in the hobby. I'm very simple. Or insanity. And it probably more insanity. Yeah, that's probably accurate. You know, this, but this group, I mean, we're all pretty eclectic in our collecting ways. We see things differently. And that's the way that we want the viewers and everyone else to be. It's like that we're not, you know, you can be sympathetic. Like Mike can be sympathetic towards me because I am the way I am. 
and I can I can be like towards Mike be like golly but you got so much stuff you know yeah but it's just you got to respect the that's the way that we are you know we're all yeah. different we're all not gonna be doing it the same way doesn't that make the hobby viable long that's the only way the hobby can survive yeah yeah if there's five guys sitting around this table and we do it five different ways yeah yeah that's the way it keeps growing if everybody did it one way whichever way yeah Everybody be, I mean, there's a lot of people that do that though. They all chase the same exact cards or players that people say, they watch a video, oh, I need to buy this stuff instead of doing their own research. Yeah. All right, so last question before we wrap this round table. Something we don't normally talk about. Something we don't normally acknowledge. I want you to take a minute and just think the people in, around you that kind of help support and make the hobby doable for you. And I'll start because we always mention kind of secondary that our wives support what we do and we've got to hang out with your wife this weekend and it was a reminder that i have this an incredible wife six kids three of them that are kind of in, in the hobby and they constantly just kind of give thumbs up dad supports you love what you do how can i help let's go sort together and you forget how that is probably more of a feel than anything and i, I appreciate that so yeah, I mean, ditto. Just two kids, not six. Yeah, ditto. <laughs> <laughs> well, if Julie didn't support me, this hobby would be, it wouldn't be happening for me. And so the fact that she is not, not just tolerant, more than tolerant, she's, but I wouldn't call her encouraging necessarily. It's just, hey, that's your thing. And I love it that you love it. So, and make sure we're paying the bills, make sure we're saving for retirement, all of those things that are that take significantly higher priority, paying for the kids' college, all of those things are way above cards and we're blessed, you know? There's no other way to say it, uh, to be able to do all of that. And I, I'm very grateful every day for her, I'm grateful for the situation that we're in and I know not everybody's in that situation, but yeah, I'm grateful for it. I'm very lucky to have a girlfriend that supports all the traveling. I'm going out of state two or three times every month and she's there helping me out on that side of things. You're cheating on her with yeah. cardboard. Yes. yes. I'm very, very worried. I'm looking at <laughs> pictures of cards on the weekend. Yeah, I would say my wife is probably like Julie where she's tolerant of it and uh, she allows it, I guess. But she's never fusses about it or anything. That would make it really hard. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just, it would be very easy for me to, honestly, it would be, if she really had a problem with it, I'd be, okay. If you're single, don't date yeah. a girl that hates cards. <laughs> yeah.